Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, everybody. Today is Tuesday, June 30th. End of the month, end of the quarter, end of the first half of 2020. It's been an interesting 2020 so far, so we'll see how the second half goes. But today we've got an uh, interesting story and an interesting research piece. First off, we have a, a trio of our reporters covering um, municipal bond pricing. Maria Monte, Caitlin Devitt, and Kathy O'Donnell discuss a story on a Florida-based senior living project with a technical default and a chunk of subordinate bonds that are valued higher than the senior debt, which illustrates the sometimes opaque nature of mini bond pricing. So that's the first story. Our second segment is a research piece uh, headed by our head of research, Greg Clark. In his latest research report, he, he evaluates the near-term prospects for the New York Metropolitan Transportation Authority, better known as the MTA. They are transportation revenue bonds and the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authorities general revenue bonds. These are the two most important financing vehicles for the MTA. So Greg Clark, again, will be breaking down his research project on the New York MTA. All right, let's welcome to the show, Maria Monte and Kathy O'Donnell. Morning, Young. Morning, Young. Morning, how's everybody doing? Very well, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Okay, that's the, way, that's the way we wanted. So let's talk about a story you, the two of you wrote with the help of, uh, I'll say Kathy again, but Caitlin <laughs> Devitt, who is uh, on vacation right now. So um, I don't know where she's going to go, but we'll find out next time. But um, without giving too much way of the story, I know um, it's a coordinated effort in terms of muni pricing. So Maria, what, since you were the lead, why don't you tell us about your story? I started looking at this senior living facility after a source flagged it to me. And the point was basically that the trading on this is fishy and it should be looked, looked into. More specifically, there was a tremendous discrepancy between the trading and pricing of the more subordinate debt of this transaction compared to the most senior debt of the um, issuance. This directly connects with what Kathy and Caitlin have been diligently reporting on since the start of the pandemic, which is that the market is deeply concerned about price discovery in high yield municipal bonds. So to start, let's discuss the credit itself. Through a conduit issuer, HBay Ministries issued about 80 million in debt to acquire five standalone senior living facility projects uh, in Florida, all called senior residences. It's affiliated with the Emmaus Calling, which owns a substantial portfolio of other senior housing facilities across the Southeast. Superior Residences has not been performing well since the acquisition and has been downgraded twice since April, including the day before we published the story on uh, last week, June 23rd. Other facilities facilities were also downgraded in April. And when we started reporting, the senior most bonds were double B negative from S&P, and then they were knocked down for another couple of launches to B plus negative. They defaulted earlier this year after missing a debt service coverage ratio covenant test, and they were expected to have a ratio of 1.05. They only had 0.94. 
So Maria, so this credit defaulted and quotes from the, I think you used two pricing services. They don't reflect the true value of the bonds. Is that correct? That's what my sources believe effectively. Yes. And I should point out, although a technical default isn't as significant as a payment default, this, uh, the second Dow credit happened after that technical default. So it goes back to the ultimate question, question, which was why are subordinate bonds trading at better levels than senior bonds of a defaulted credit? Bondholders have four liens on this transaction. There's the seniors, the 2018As, and taxable 2018A2s, the 2018Bs, and the 2018Cs. And what I found was that pricing services value the C bond, the most subordinate lien, at higher levels than the As, the most senior lien we're ever even trading at. A quote from uh, Intercontinental Exchange or ICE for the C bonds was 27.447 points higher than the most recent trade of the senior most uh, bonds on EMMA. And so in what universe are the most subordinate bonds valued higher than the senior most bonds of a defaulted credit? In a bizarre like, world, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so in the story, we did a bunch of chart, mm -hmm. charts and compared the most recent Emma trades to quotes from BVAL and ICE to pricing services. And the visuals are pretty stunning. My source said it uh, really well. If the A's aren't getting par, then the B's and C's are going to get wiped out. So why would the C, B's and C's be valued more? Um, and it goes back to the pricing services and a lack of guidance and subjectivity with how they do business. Some holders may not want to sell at the lower price to keep portfolio values artificially inflated. And they make the argument to pricing services that there haven't been enough trades on the bonds to warrant a lower price and threaten to pull business if they aren't appeased. But ultimately, retail customers are the ones who will bear this burden. This view that the pricing services are misleading is becoming more and more widespread. And looking forward, given the pandemic's impact, especially on the senior housing sector, we're likely to see this trading dynamic play out in other, um, over, again, uh, over and over again in other credits. Kathy, do you have anything to add? Yeah, sure, Maria. I know that you um, you were mentioning in the story that um, you know institution holders may not want to sell at 60 and, and to keep the value of their portfolios artificially inflated, um, which was what a manager told you. Um, and, and we have heard, uh, you know, something similar to that, um, particularly after the big, you know, muni sell-off at the end of the Mar at end of March. Um, some market participants were questioning how some of the riskier names, things like American Dream and Virgin Trains, were continuing to see prices hold up so well, given the coronavirus. Um, American Dream, which is an entertainment and retail project, and Virgin Trains, which people would know uh, probably more familiarly as Brightline. Uh, both of those involve people coming together in crowds. Um, and as uh, municipal market analytics Tom Doe uh, has is fond of telling me, um, you know, the price of liquidity in the municipal market can it sometimes be very high. Um, and munis can go for a long time without trading, but mutual funds have to calculate the net asset value daily. So what those bonds are valued at is very important. And if investors see their mutual funds NAVs going down, they might be inclined to redeem money from a mutual fund, which is obviously something that the fund doesn't want to have happen because it could force the fund manager to um, sell off holdings to meet those redemptions, particularly at an inopportune time. I mean, it might be kind of a, you know, a time when just holding the bond would, you know, through this tough period would be okay. So it, it forces, you know, the managers to have to kind of dump securities when they don't really want to. 
Consequently, pricing services like ICE and others play a very important role and a difficult role. I mean, I, I think it's a tough job that they have. Um, and you could see why a fund manager uh, might be motivated to challenge a price, um, given that, you know, it's, it's, it relates to their NAV. Um, and that's not to say that the challenge isn't legitimate. For example, a fund manager might be aware of something that um, somebody at the pricing services who's not quite as familiar with the bond doesn't know about, and something that importantly could be independently verified that would say uh, support you know a bond's price. Um, so this is also something um, kind of in a wider um, aspect that the SEC is uh, looking at. Um, in fact, the role of uh, pricing services is something that the SEC is um, weighing kind of as as part of a proposed new rule that involves um, mutual funds um, that the SEC is proposing under the Investment Company Act of 1940. And that addresses valuation practices and also the role of fund boards and advisors. Um, and the proposed rule conceives there, there may be times when pricing service information, you know, differs substantially from a fund board's or a fund advisor's view of fair value and that the board or the advisor may seek to contact the pricing service to question the basis for that pricing information. And what this rule um, would require would be the development of criteria for circumstances uh, under which pricing challenges, say, you know, a fund manager decides to go to ICE or BVAL or someone and says, you know, I don't agree with this and this is why. So um, the rule would kind of set together you know, a set of circumstances or criteria, kind of an objective basis for when these price challenges could be initiated. So you just couldn't pick up the phone because you don't like the price. There would have to be a reason why you do that. Um, but that has received, you know, the comment period, I believe, is going on for this proposed rule. And this applies to things much wider than municipal bonds, obviously, but it's, um, uh, it's something that hasn't been addressed, I think, since the uh, – you know, since the Nixon administration. So it's been a minute uh, since we <laughs> had looked at this. <laughs> but um, so the SEC is, you know, um, has asked that this criteria be kind of established, but it has received some pushback from at least one uh, commenter on the proposed rule who said it's really impossible to see all the circumstances in advance that might make questioning a, a price quote suspect. Um, so uh, if anyone has a strong feeling on this, the SEC is um, accepting uh, comments, until, I think, until the 21st of July for anyone who might want to weigh in on it. So it is something that we'll be keeping an eye on here, um, given you know what our sources, Maria's sources and Caitlin and I have been mentioning to us. Um, but it is something that the municipal market, which is you know very large and um, has many securities that trade infrequently, uh, is um, going to have to grapple with. I would imagine for quite some time to come. Yes, definitely. Um, like you said, it's it's a huge market, not a lot of trades, uh, but transparency. That's a that's a big, big thing people are pushing for. So, but it's very interesting. Um, thank you, Maria. Thank you, Kathy, and thank you, Caitlin. Uh, this article was very good. Like Maria mentioned, the visuals. If anyone who as a subscriber to deadwire.com, can see the article. You can see all these charts. It really highlights uh, what Murray is talking about. But again, ladies, thank you for your time today. Hope you everyone stay safe, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, Jan. Have a good day. Thanks, Jan. Thanks, okay. Kathy. Bye. Bye.
Good morning, Greg Clark. How are you, sir? Morgan, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. Hope you're staying safe out there. Oh uh, yeah, looking forward to the fourth. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. No, no illegal fireworks for me, though. I'm a law-abiding citizen. Yes, uh, I think the only thing legal are those little sparklers you hold on your hands. I think that's the only thing. Yeah, they're no fun. They're good when you're eight years old. I know. Uh, it's interesting this year. I heard Macy's is doing like pop-up fireworks. They don't tell you until the last minute to avoid crowds, but they'll just have a boat somewhere off the East River and they'll just shoot fireworks. They did it last night, I think, near Coney Island and somewhere else in Manhattan, supposedly. So I heard it was pretty interesting. Well, that's, that's good. That's, that's a pretty good solution, I would guess, to, to having too many people together at one, at one time. Yeah, definitely. But speaking of a lot of people, let's talk about uh, New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority, better known as the MTA, which runs the subways, obviously, in New York City. Now, Greg, you and your research team wrote a report last week that took a much closer look at the MTA and the two major types of bonds that it issues. So, Mr. Clark, give us some of the details. Well, what we did in this report, Young, was to take publicly available information from different sources and put it together in a way that told us some things about the MTA's ability to meet its obligations this year. To the best of my knowledge, no one else has looked at the data in this way, at least not for uh, public consumption. So what were these sources and what did you find out? Jumping the gun on me, Young. First, let me give you some background. <laughs> uh, it's, it's no secret that even before coronavirus affected the MTA's operations, it had some serious operating and financial problems. Last summer, as a matter of fact, August, I think it was, we wrote a report that noted that the, the MTA's declining ridership and system, excuse me, system reliability and its inability to complete capital projects without cost overruns. So then the coronavirus hits and of course things get worse. The latest figures released by the MTA indicate that compared to last year, Subway ridership is down by 82%. Commuter railroad passengers have declined by about 85%. And bridge and tunnel traffic is down by 32%. Obviously, those are huge drop-offs. But, but didn't they get money from the CARES Act, the Coronavirus Aid, Recovery, and Economic Security Act? Yeah, they did. They got uh, $3.8 billion total. They received $2.1 billion of that amount. Uh, they're also relying heavily this year on loans from commercial banks. They will need more money, though, if they're going to maintain, if they're going to both maintain current operations and meet all their obligations. Uh, earlier this year, actually in April, mid-April, I think it was, uh, the MTA's chairman, Pat Foy, wrote to New York State's congressional delegation and urged them to push for $3.9 billion additional uh, for the MTA. That's, again, in addition to what they got from the CARES Act. Uh, prospects, that's been held, I don't want to say it's been held up in Congress. I think that, uh, I'm not sure if it, if that amount was in the, the legislation that was approved by the House a while ago. But in any event, uh, they don't have congressional approval for that, nor do they, uh, of course, obviously hasn't gone to the president yet. Uh, but let me talk more about the bonds. First, I'll talk about bonds payable from net revenues 
of the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority, also known as the TBTA, which is an operating unit of the MTA. There's about $8.7 billion of TBTA bonds outstanding. Greg, sorry to interrupt. Can you tell us what you mean exactly when you say net revenues? Yeah, when I say that TBTA uh, bonds are payable from their net revenues, I'm referring to what's left of all the toll revenues they receive minus operating expenses. They operate, PBTA operates seven bridges and two tunnels in the area, including the Robert F. Kennedy Triborough Bridge and the Queens Midtown Tunnel. Uh, in a report that was prepared for TBTA on April 29th, a company called Stantech Consulting Services noted the difficulty of making traffic predictions this year. Their response to this uncertainty was to prepare two different revenue scenarios. So what we did was we combined these scenarios with Stantec's forecast of operating expenses and then compared net revenues, which is revenues minus expenses, uh, under each of their two under each of Stantec's two scenarios to this year's debt service. And what we found was that under scenario number one, which is a less severe forecast, coverage declines to 1.3 times. Under scenario number two, TBTA can't pay debt service from its current revenues. I'm not saying that TBTA would default on its bonds, only that if the scenario holds that they'd have to find another source, for instance, cash on hand or other loans to pay debt service. And then the picture gets a little bit more involved when you look at the MTA's transportation revenue bonds, which is their major source of capital. Those bonds are outstanding in the amount of about $30 billion. You just mentioned TRBs, transportation revenue bonds. What, what revenues pay for those, those bonds? They're payable from gross, MTA's gross revenues, which includes passenger fares. In other words, all, basically all city uh, subway and bus fares, the commuter railroads, and uh, state, state and local subsidies and taxes. Uh, surplus revenues from TBTA operations and other sources. Well, you were explaining the, the, the term net revenues. Now, tell us what you mean by gross revenues. When bonds are payable from gross revenues, it means that bondholders get all revenues received before operating expenses are paid. This results in higher coverage levels, but those levels are unintentionally misleading because in order to stay in operation and have any revenues at all, you need to pay your expenses, excuse me, expenses, for instance, salaries. To go one step further, if you don't pay salaries, you don't pay the people who operate and maintain the trains. When they don't show up to work because they're no longer getting paid, the trains don't run and you have no revenues at all. So based on gross revenues, MTA had coverage of eight to nine and a half times in the last five fiscal years, and originally had budgeted coverage of 8.5 times for fiscal year 20, which is uh, also a calendar year. Fiscal year 20 ends on December 31st. So, Greg, has the MTA revised its budget for fiscal year 20? I don't think they've revised it officially. I think an official revision comes next month. Um, but earlier this year, the MTA hired McKinsey and Company to estimate revenue losses this year, and McKinsey released a study to the MTA on May 1st. 
using using assumptions that were largely derived from that study, we calculated that coverage could decline to as low as 4.6 times this year. Although this, although this figure would still be high enough to pay debt service, it, again, it does exclude operating and maintenance expenses, which, as we noted, results in a distorted view of a borrower's financial health. One of the problems for these TRB bonds is that one of the revenue sources it uses to pay debt service, one of the gross revenues sources, is surplus revenues of the TBTA, meaning revenues that remain after the TB, excuse me, after the TBTA pays debt service on its own bonds. In fiscal year 20, TBTA was scheduled to contribute $788 million to, to the uh, gross revenues for the transportation revenue bonds. Under the two TBTA scenarios we discussed earlier, they'd be unable to make this payment. Under the less severe scenario, the payment would be only $191 million, and under the more severe scenario, there would be no payment at all because, again, TBTA wouldn't be able to pay uh, its own debt service from its current revenues. Again, not saying they're going to default. It's just that they, they wouldn't have any money to make the contribution to the, uh, to the TRB bonds. Right. And, and Greg, I got one last question for you. And in your infinite wisdom, if you had a crystal ball, so you talked about the MTA getting additional federal aid. What are possible solutions for the MTA? Well, the, uh, the two that they've outlined, I'm not even, I don't even have to use my wisdom on this, whatever, whatever there is, <laughs> but, <laughs> whatever I have of that, but under, they've, they've said that, uh, additional borrowing is possible. They were, MTA was recently authorized by the state of New York to issue debt through 2022 to, compate, to compensate for COVID-19 economic conditions. And then there is potential use of monies for current operations from the Central Business Di District Locks, Lockbox Fund, uh, Central Business Di District, called CBD. This is the fund beginning next year will charge drivers when they enter Manhattan's central business district. Uh, the CBD fund also has some other revenue sources. They've got some money in that fund now, but the, most of the revenues will be received once that tolling program goes into effect. The hitch with that, though, is that uh, the tolling revenues themselves, the ones that will start to be collected next year, might be restricted under federal law to use for capital projects. So, well, there's also the state. Um, the state of New York is probably not in a position to help out the MTA too much. Coronavirus has also hit the state. Uh, the state's had revenue losses, and uh, you know, it doesn't appear that they're going to be a, a big source of aid for the MTA. That's about it. Well. Interesting, very, very fascinating, but very, uh, this New York City, I'm sorry, MTA is an integral part of New York City, which is an intro, integral part of the state. So there's a huge domino effect. But Greg, thank you as, as always for your work, your research, and stay safe out there and enjoy the fourth. Thanks, John. You too. Okay. Take care, Greg. Okay. Bye. Bye. And that is our show for today. Many thanks to a bunch of people today. We've got Maria Monte, Kathy O'Donnell, and Caitlin Devitt, who was not here physically, but in spirit, as she, as the three of them, co-wrote a story on mini bond pricing. Many thanks to Greg Clark and his research team 
on the research report on New York's MTA, and also our producer Christian Ayala for keeping our mics in check and making us sound good. And as always, our audience out there listening in to the latest on Muni Distress Debt. Uh, thanks again for your time today. Hope you tune in next time for the latest on municipal bonds from debtwire.com. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Muni Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to debtwire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.